sisters. researching this topic um because i know nothing about government (laughs) me neither um this was a hard one (laughs) it it was i it's it's also quite boring (laughs) yes it's very dry Uh, well shall we introduce ourselves yes let's get this one over with (laughs) (laughs) well my name is taryn I'm Amanda, and this is Conspiracy Sisters. Welcome. You, you, what so, are we talking about? Today we are talking about gerrymandering and the Electoral College. Great. Right in time for election season, just to bring you back down. <laughs> um, I would like to start by saying that I am not a government expert. I Most of the things I'm saying are probably not accurate. Um, I mean, I I think they're accurate, but like, you know, it's just kind of the way that I interpreted it. So, I mean, if anyone else listening has more of an idea, please feel free to correct me. Please do. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Not just you, but me too, because I am in the same boat. I don't, I don't know. I only know what the internet told me. So yes, I, uh, (laughs) they can't lie on the internet, right? (laughs) I tried to make it as accurate as possible um, with very reliable resources such as Wikipedia, uh, Vox, <laughs> AmericanPromise.net, Census.gov, uh, VisitTheCapital.gov, and the Fair Election Project. Beautiful. Well, you've got a couple of .govs in there, so I think that's pretty official, right? <sighs> I mean, I guess, but they're up to interpretation. Right. Um, should I begin, or do you want to start yours? Well, how much do you have? I have a lot. I have not as much. Okay. <laughs> I have like eleven pages. I have like four. Okay. <laughs> I do you want me to start then? Yeah, um, go ahead. Okay, so please ask me some questions and shit. I don't know if I'll be able to answer them, but <laughs> you know, I mine is really messy because I don't know how to organize it. Okay. No, that's so fine. So my sources, good old Wikipedia, uh history dot com, which has brought us more than just <laughs> real history huh are you talking about like the history channel yep oh yeah yeah you know you remember that documentary about the mermaids and (laughs) it was a mockumentary amanda i would like to correct you (laughs) so i mean take what they say with a grain of salt um i also watched a video from cgp gray uh i went to archives.gov and then a website called ballotpedia.org so I guess I'll start. I'm talking about the Electoral College, and then you're going to cover gerrymandering, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So <laughs> the Electoral College. Let me talk about, like, how it started. Um, so <clears throat> every 10 years, we do a census, which reflects the population changes. Um, and the Electoral College is based off of that. Uh, back in the day, 
the population and census was modified by counting three-fifths of people held as slaves. So basically, they thought that slaves were only worth three-fifths of a white guy. Like, okay, but this is before they could actually vote. Correct. But they were still Um, just considered, like, it took two of them to make one human person? Pretty much. That's so weird. Okay. Um, Because um, they wanted, let's see, well... Okay, for example, James Madison, he knew that having a popular vote would be ideal. So, like, majority of people in the country vote for one person, that person's going to win. But it would be hard to get an accurate count because of the number of slaves in the South. Um, so but those people part- couldn't vote anyway, right? No, they so- couldn't. So this, that's why this doesn't make any fucking sense. Okay. Um, let me see. I have... Well, I have a, a quote by Madison, but I don't know why I put it in here. It's basically <laughs> just, just him talking about Negroes, which is not cool. Um, oh okay, so this, this whole thing questioned the census. So they choose the number of electorates, people in the Electoral College, based on each state's population. But is that like the total population or just the population of people who are eligible to vote? Because minors can't vote, so is the population of people in, under eighteen included? Or yes, um, it's the total. The census is the total. Felons. So that's a tricky one. I did. I saw that there is like a like a fucking portion about that. I did not go into convicted felons. I don't think mm-hmm. they, if they are like actively in jail, I do not think that they count. Um, I mean, they like count towards the census. They count in the census, but they cannot vote. But okay. um, so, so yes. this is all this people... is the thing. So even though they can't vote, they are part of the state's population. Right. That is true. Which which means that the state will have more electoral votes. I so if there's a large majority of, like maybe there's a big fucking prison. Right. Those people count towards the census. So maybe they get like two or three additional electoral college votes. But none of those people are eligible to vote. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's how I believe that is how that is. But I did not go into people that are in jail. But as for I do know for the census, every single person is counted, whether you are a citizen or a child or not registered to vote. Every person is counted for the census. Like hypothetically like you're supposed to be mm-hmm. i mean not right. everyone necessarily sends their shit in and this year they didn't really mm-hmm. count, care about accuracy at all so nope i mean the census i did mine yes did you? i did the census is just kind of a joke at this point they it's like it was like underfunded they don't care about accuracy like they're gonna do whatever they want anyway so this is a terrible it year. is it truly is i mean we just lost our girl ruth I mean, I feel Ruth, like RGB. of all of the things, we, you know, had to lose one. Um, <laughs> I saw a post somewhere. It was like, why could it never be Mitch McConnell? No shit. He's got to be out, like, outlasting every person in Congress. All right. I hate him. Yeah, he's the worst. Um, so anyway, all right. So the Electoral College is kind of begins similarly to the way that the House of, Representator, the House of Representatives began. But... All right. right, so carry on. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay. No, you're fine. This is so frustrating. And I, I wanted to start with like, well, this is what the Electoral College is. But I don't know what the fuck it is. So <laughs> I'm just going to start, you know, from when they started it. And then... I'm yes, like, okay. that's what I did. So listen. Um, 
so Alexander Hamilton, you know, from Hamilton, <laughs> he believed that by having the electors meet in the state capitals, they would have access to information that was unavailable to the general public. Great. Okay. So they're like regular ass people and they're like going to the fucking capital so that they can have more information, make a better decision about their vote. Got it. Clearly, access to information has changed since the invention of, say, telephones or, like, the fucking internet. Um, But electors still meet at the capitals because of this outdated idea. Um, Hamilton also believed that federal office holders weren't allowed to be electors, um, so none of the electors would be tied to any presidential candidate. So that's still a thing. So, like, if you're, like, a mayor or, like, on the county board, you can't be in the electoral college. Okay, okay. I also tried my damnedest to figure out how somebody becomes an electorate. Could I become an electorate? I don't know. I don't know either. I couldn't (laughs) find an answer. I have no idea. Are they voted in, like, by people or by, like... They are, yes. Um, But it it varies state to state, of course. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's fucking ridiculous. Um, Okay, so also the phrase electoral college... Is not used at all in the Constitution, but they did write out write about like electors. Um, it wasn't until the early 19th century that the name Electoral College came into general use. The phrase was first written into federal law in 1845. So in the Constitution, they talk about quote electors, but does that just mean so when the Constitution was written, only white men who owned land could vote? Hmm. Okay. So are these the electors? Or are they just talking about the representatives? Right. I have no idea because when they wrote the fucking constitution, they were like, let's make it as inconsistent, inconclusive, debatable, and just incomprehensible as fucking possible. (laughs) Let's use too many commas. Let's use words that don't mean anything. And then let's sign our names real big at the bottom. Um, (laughs) um, Giant black Sharpie. Yeah. Let's see. All right. Let's talk about how the Electoral College works. Okay. All right. Let's see. Where are we? I can do this. If any person receives an absolute majority of electoral votes, that person is declared the winner. If there is a tie or if no candidate for either or both offices receives a majority, then the choice falls to Congress in a procedure known as a contingent election. I don't think that's ever happened. Okay. Wait. So do they only have a say in the president's election yes. or do they yes okay so when we go to our courthouse to vote for like i don't know the sheriff or the mayor right. or whatever our votes actually count do they? well <laughs> they say they do that's what the government is telling us okay i don't know whether how true that is or not but there is no electoral college for those offices only the president and vice president is determined by the electoral college the electors um all right so we all go out and vote on november 3rd but we aren't actually choosing our president we are voting for our state's electoral college members (sighs) okay so we i don't really understand how it works so are there like is there like a small pool of people who are like well if person A wins in this state, then we're going to take this pool of people who are going to vote for person A. Like, 
I don't, I really don't understand. But I've also seen in like some of our, what are they called? Um, primaries or whatever. Like the electorates are actually on the ballot. So like you actually vote for that person's name. How often do they get reelected? Every four years? I have no idea. Okay. I don't know. I feel so like uneducated about this, but I have no idea who these people are. They like billionaires. Are they corporations? Are they just in like your neighbor? I don't know who they are. Um, so it took me, I don't even want to tell you like the embarrassing amount of time that I spent researching gerrymandering just to fucking wrap my head around it and understand Mm -hmm. what the fuck it even means. So yeah, I feel like, it would take so much time to fucking research the electoral college. I was like, wow, that's a bold choice that Amanda wants to cover this topic. I mean, I feel like if I am going to cover gerrymandering as well, I would probably just say all the same shit that you're going to say. Right. No, no, that is true. I'll do something similar. It's like a topic that we don't understand. Let's just fucking speculate and talk about how shitty it is. And how it really is just a big government conspiracy. Right. So to like to 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 make it so difficult to get an accurate vote. So no matter who actually wins the popular vote, it doesn't fucking matter. Nothing fucking matters. You're such because a of gerrymandering, because of the fucking <laughs> electoral college, because they they already know who is going to win because who has the most money, who has the most funds. It's fucking ridiculous right i I just can't deal with it there i understand we need a revel oh i also saw like um somebody said that we don't need a civil war we need a revolution so instead of fucking arguing amongst ourselves we need to just overthrow the god overthrow the goddamn (laughs) government like i'm i'm when does the revolution start because i'm here for it um anyway sorry i'm trying to figure out how electors are elected it says the election well there's there's a few different ways but it's like do you run for that position you know like or is it just like oh well we decided you're gonna be the elector like i don't okay let me (laughs) let me get through this and then you tell me what you find okay i'm so sorry it's okay i'm so i we shouldn't have done this no no it's okay (laughs) it gets very convoluted it's difficult to follow okay um so there are 538 electoral college members. Correct. This is because, for some reason, they wanted an equal number of people to represent the 100 members of the Senate plus the 438 members of the House. Okay. I don't know why. They're like, oh, well, we have 538 people in our Congress, so let's, for some fucking reason, make that the exact same number of electoral college members that we need. And at first I was like, wait, so it's the same number. Is it just Congress? Like, are those the people who vote? I are those think the they're separate. <laughs> yes, they are, because <laughs> they hold office, so they're not allowed to be electorates. Um, anyway, um, so a majority of that is 270. Mm-hmm. So if a presidential candidate gets at least seven, 270 votes, they automatically win. It doesn't matter how small of a margin they win by. Same thing for the popular vote. If Even if it's like 49% to 51%, that person who got 51%, all of their, all of the electorates are going to vote for that person. So it's not like 49% of right. the electorates vote for the other person. It's, it doesn't, yeah. It's all or nothing. It's, it's skewed, yeah. 
So there are only two states that don't do this all or nothing bull- bullshit, and that's Maine and Nebraska. And I don't know why. Hey. They just decided to be fucking different. Okay, um, okay so I also, I'm going to get into, um, like, who gets to vote, like, regular-ass people. So, all right, under the 23rd Amendment, <laughs> Washington, oh, yes. D.C. I'm familiar. Yeah, Washington, D.C. is allocated as many electors as it would have if it were a state, but no more electors than the least populous state. So all states start with three electors. Okay, yes. And then if their population is a certain number or bigger, then they get more electors. Some states have like 30 plus electors. Mm -hmm. Some states only have three. Mm -hmm. And that's so weird. So so that's why when the the presidential candidates are like going around campaigning, they go to these states that have huge amounts of electorates. So like, I know California, Texas, I think like New York. Illinois has quite a few too. I didn't look at Missouri though. Um, But yeah, so they go to these places because they want those people's votes. They don't care about fucking Nebraska, Virginia, who only has three votes. Yeah, Nebraska. They, They don't give a shit. Like, oh, your votes can go to whoever because as long as I have, like, like these... I think it's if they get 12 states, 12 certain states out of, like, the 35 that have the most electorates, if they only get 12 of those, that's more than all of the other they states. They could combined. win, yeah. They would win. Yes, exactly. And that's super fucked up. Um, okay, so... Listen, the 13th Amendment <laughs> made slavery illegal, but... As Fred- Frederick Douglass accurately stated, slavery is not abolished until the black man has the ballot, um, which makes sense. Um, so black men were finally given the right to vote when the 15th Amendment was passed in 1870. Um, women, fin- white and black women, no, just white women, <laughs> white women finally gained the right to vote throughout the country in 1920. But not all Native American women or Asian women had citizenship, so they still couldn't vote. Right. I also, uh, there is something about black women, too, but I didn't include that in here. Now I feel bad. Um, anyway, uh, the voting age wasn't lowered from 21 to 18 until 1970. So before that, you could, like, serve in the military, but you couldn't vote. Oh, God. That seems unfair. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. So it is 18 now, thank God. Um, in 2000, it was ruled that citizens of U.S. territories could not vote. That means that the citizens of Puerto Rico, Guam, the U.S. Virgin Islands, the Northern Mariana Islands, and American Samoa are under U.S. rule, but they can't vote in our federal elections. Like, they can't vote for, our pre- for their president. Right. Um, especially since, like, D.C. is in a state and they still get to vote. Right, but they are, like, part of the mainland. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Hawaii and Alaska get to vote. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. 4.4 million people live in the U.S. territories. Like, that's a lot wow. of fucking people who don't get to vote for their own president. That's crazy. However, if an American citizen is living abroad, they can still send a vote back to their home state. On that same, on that same note, if you move from a state to one of the U.S. territories, you lose your right to vote as long as you live there. Hmm. Also... American astronauts can vote from space. So literally, just the territories are excluded from voting. People in space can vote, but people in Puerto Mm -hmm. Rico cannot. Exactly. Why? Because they are brown. 
Right. Well, so are people in Hawaii. <laughs> well, they're a different type of, of brown. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's fucked up. Okay, so <laughs> my next my next chunk is called "Who are these people? Like, who are the electoral yeah, no electoral shit. college people?" And I really I don't fucking know. Like, I I couldn't find a name of any. I mean, I'm sure I didn't look hard enough, but I, <laughs> I couldn't find like like how do these people? I don't know. Okay, so they aren't allowed to be uh, in federal office. Um. Originally, individual electors would be elected by citizens on a district by district basis. So, like, I think they would have like mini elections. Like, oh, let's vote for our like state's representatives. Like, not their representative in their House of Representatives, but like for the vote. Okay. Like, we're gonna vote for these five people to be our electors, and then we're gonna send them to the White House, and they're gonna tell them who they who our state is voting for. So they're representing us as a state. Anyway, um, so for example, in Massachusetts in 1820, the people did not choose the name of a candidate for a president on the ballot. Instead, they voted for their local elector, who they trusted later to cast a responsible vote for the president. So they're like, oh, well, this person's smart. We'll vote for him, and he'll pick who's best for us. Right, okay. Um. Let's see. Some states reasoned that the favorite presidential candidate among the people in their state would have a much better chance if all of the electors selected by their state were sure to vote in the same way. So a general ticket of electors pledged to a party candidate. Um, Is that loud? That's, yeah, that's the winner-take-all thing. Okay. Yep. Uh, the founding fathers assumed that each elector would be elected by the citizens of a di- district and that that elector was to be free to analyze and deliberate regarding who was best suited to be president. So let's see. Since 1836, statewide winner-take-all popular voting for electors has been the almost universal practice with the exception of Maine and Nebraska. 1836. So we've been doing this bullshit for that long. Jesus Christ. Um, Candidates for elector are nominated by state chapters of nationally oriented political parties in the months prior to election day. In some states, the electors are nominated by voters in primaries the same way other presidential candidates are nominated. In some states, electors are nominated in party conventions. Varying by state, electors may also elect, be elected by state legislatures or appointed by the parties themselves. So these are the ways that the electors are decided. And that that whole that whole paragraph, I was reading the words and they weren't meaning anything while I was saying them, so I apologize. (laughs) Anyway, oh my god! So it literally just varies depending on what state you live in, how your electors are determined. Okay, there's a thing called a faithless elector. This is a member of the electoral college who does not vote for the presidential candidate for whom they had pledged to vote. So they're like breaking faith with the candidate they were pledged to and they vote for another candidate or they just don't vote at all, which I guess is like a fucking thing. Um, Can you imagine if you're like in the electoral college and you're like, I'm just not going to (laughs) vote. Like you could do that apparently. The only thing they vote on is- The one job? Right, they only vote on two things, the president and the vice president, Mm -hmm. right? And they can choose not to vote at all? I think so. According to this sentence that I copied and pasted. 
you know, most of the things that I have are I'm like, well, the way that I interpreted this paragraph. <laughs> right. I read it once on this one website, so it must be true. Oh my Ugh. god. Or or like I read it first. <laughs> and then I read something later that contradicted it. So whatever I read first is the truth. Right. Dude, I fully <laughs> understand. This is research god. in the modern era. So hard. I hate being being here. Okay, let's see. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how they're even elected. My God. Well, sometimes we do baby elections okay. to figure them out. Sometimes they're nominated in party conventions. I don't even know what the fuck that is. Um, or like they're nominated by voters in the primaries, the same way that the presidential candidates are nominated. Um, or they're appointed hmm. by the parties. God. That seems, that seems, um, like a conflict. No shit. Conflict of interest. Okay. So now listen, um, some state laws say that faithless electors may be subject to fines or they may be disqualified for casting an invalid vote. So they might be replaced by a substitute elector. However, Electors have voted against what their states told them to vote for almost 90 times in the past. So le- they were like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to vote for Amanda. And then they like go in there like, hey, hey, hey I'm not going to vote for Amanda. And they oh, vote God. for somebody else. And it's like, that's, but I think like, I don't think their votes are anonymous. So they can get fined for it or like their vote gets thrown out and they're replaced by a substitute. Okay, I found something. Yes. This says state legislatures are responsible for nominating electors. The process can actually differ from state to state, of course. Mm -hmm. In general, the two most common ways are, one, the elector is nominated by his or her state party committee, perhaps to reward many years of service to the party. And two, the elector campaigns for a spot and the decision is made during a vote held at the state's party convention. So I'm thinking like the um, DNC, like the Democratic National convention Mm, and the rnc like is that when they appoint these people maybe i would think so then um yeah it just so it literally is like so they're not like in office but they're still like political people sort of so it says usually electors are people who are politically active in their party be it democrat green libertarian republican or independent or connected to the political arena this includes political activists party leaders elected officials of the state and even people who have personal or political ties to the presidential candidate jesus so yeah just people that are you know involved (sighs) That shouldn't, that shouldn't be. It should just be, like, the random, everyday, average Joe. Right. Like, I mean, get, obviously, they should know enough to be able to make an informed decision. But right. they shouldn't be like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so gave me, like, $1,000 under the... I mean, I'm sure it's more than $1,000. Gave me <laughs> $2 million under the table. So, of course, I'm going to vote for him. It says but the like, only... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, it just says the only things they are not allowed to be are a member of Congress, a high-ranking U.S. official in a position of trust or profit, which which refers to a member of Congress accepting uh, an appointment to executive office, or someone who has engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the U.S. Those are the only three people that cannot be members. (laughs) Interesting. No, I also, (laughs) I meant to look something else up. Would you, would you mind helping me with that? What is it? Um. I was wondering if there was ever an electorate who voted third party. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe back like in the, you know, 1800s when mm. there were other parties. Right. Has 
a U.S. electorate ever voted for I like hearing you type. It's like ASMR. List of third-party performances in U.S. presidential elections. Let's see. Let's find out. Well, I also wanted to talk about ranked choice voting. Ooh, um, what's that? So it's um, apparently some countries have had some good success with it. Um, so we get rid of the Electoral College because it's outdated and stupid and doesn't really accurate, accurately reflect the popular vote. Um, and then we could try this thing called ranked choice voting. So we literally rank the candidates by how much we like them. So this is what I have. Step one. It's a step-by-step guide. Step one. I like it. Voters, <laughs> voters rank the candidates for a given office by preference on their ballots. Um, so... So I vote Amanda is number one, Taryn is number two, and Meg is number three. Meg for president. (laughs) Yes. Um, If a candidate wins an outright majority of first preference votes, at least 50%, well, I suppose that would be 51%, um, he or she would be declared the winner. So that's it. So if if I won 51% of all first place votes... I automatically win. If on the oh step two, if on the other hand no candidates win an outright majority, so there's like more than two people, right, <laughs> right, running, um, then you know maybe I got thirty percent compared to the fifty one percent I would need to win. Um, so then the the candidate with the fewest first preference votes is eliminated. So whoever got the least the least votes as first place is just taken out of the running because they lost. They got the fewest amount. Um, All the, the rest of, let me see. Step three. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. All first preference votes for the failed candidate are eliminated. So that would bring the second preference choices up higher on those ballots. Right. So, So then it's just between the top two. Exactly. Um, then step four, a new tally is conducted to determine whether any candidate has won an outright majority of the adjusted voters. So now who has at least 51%? That person wins. Right. Step five, the process is repeated until a candidate wins the majority of votes. So that, I like that because it's like, well, I like this person best, but if he doesn't win, then I would go for this person. Right. Exactly. At least you can get your like second pick rather than it being like a plurality of, you know, three different. Oh, God. Yeah. But I mean, when our candidate, when our choices are just the worst of the worst, it's like, I don't want (laughs) to vote for any of them. I I like Howie Hawkins. I'll tell you that. I'm just going to come out and say it. I like him, but I feel like I can't vote for third party. It's a bummer. (laughs) But I I want to because I I understand. I don't Um, I cannot find the answer to your question oh if any of them have voted third party yeah the answer is probably fucking no like why would you even ask that question the answer is obviously no um I mean I I feel like they did up until like the 80s when there was still like a progressive party and an independent party you know what I mean right but not yeah um the last thing I talk about is like I feel like you know how this whole vote by mail thing is just so um conflicted like oh it's 
controversial and you know oh it, it could be there's so much fraud that could happen it's like okay well listen i file my taxes online right <laughs> so let's just like do online voting and like i think you and i talked about this too like like they you know oh well it, it could get hacked so easily but it's like we could hire like 18 year olds to fucking program a website that can't be hacked right Cyber they can security, do it like it exists exactly there's people who do this for a living and they do it very well um also well the reason why they probably don't want voting to be online or easily accessible is because if they do that then more young people are going to vote and that's not good for the ancient dinosaurs running our country i mean absolutely imagine if it was so easy that you could literally go online and vote like to vote Uh Um, by mail you actually have to take it into the bank and have it notarized before you mail it in and like yeah and like give them your reasoning as to why you can't vote in person it is fucking crazy i mean in missouri anyway there's only six states that are like that i'm pretty sure it's a lot easier in other states but i think you still have to have it notarized so it's not like they make it necessarily easy or convenient um i mean first you have to register and then you have to you know do all the paperwork if you want to avoid standing in line with hundreds of sickly people um but not all states offer that luxury here in missouri we have to go stand in line unless you are you have like you know written consent to vote right like a fucking medical condition or something yeah now i I also think that it should be a national holiday a paid holiday yeah because it's a right as a citizen. It's like one of the only things we have left. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, our vote doesn't even count. So it's not no, it really doesn't. a right. right. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. If you could just vote online, everyone would do it. And I feel mm-hmm. like that would change the outcome of every election if everyone actually voted. Um, oh, God, yeah. Um, so we need to do online voting. We need to automatically register people once they turn 18. So it's automatic. You don't even have to fucking register. Right. It's it's just because that's so stupid. I asked Ari, I was like, so hey, hey Ari, I just called to ask for my um mail in ballot. Cause like I got something in the mail saying, like, hey, you can call this number and get your mail in ballot. And I was like, Oh, cool. So I did that. And I said, Ari, are you gonna vote this year? Are you gonna do your mail in ballot? He said, I'm not even registered. And it's like, well, when it's like a twenty seven step process, you have to register, you have to do this, you have to do that, and then you have to like call and get your ballot to mail in or you have to drive your ass down to the courthouse or whatever like no one wants to do all that especially for something that it doesn't even fucking count right especially when we do all of our fucking banking and taxes and everything online this is not necessarily convenient for the modern technological age but if you also look at literally any government-run website does it look like they actually hire fucking web designers or people in tech hell no No. they are like hey debbie from accounting took a web design class once let's just have her do it exactly and i mean i feel like they are not even having unpaid interns do it they're having like ancient people who have never taken like a design class like i understand they're supposed to be kind of like no frills websites but they're not even like easy to navigate i feel yeah, like and they, they do that on purpose i mean the unemployment website is fucked yes um, it's i tried such, it literally looks like website. a website from like the 90s uh-huh well we were watching that um what's that guy's name oh hassan hassan minaj we were watching his show and it was the same two websites that did exactly the same thing, except one was from like TurboTax and the other was like a state run website. Right. And they were designed by the same person, but one was clearly designed to be like more user friendly. Right. 
uh, yeah, like more inviting. Like you want to stay yeah. on the page and like because it your costs taxes. money. Yeah, you could either do this one that's run by the government and it's shitty and hard to navigate and the worst thing possible for free if you want to spend ten, 10 hours trying to figure it out, or you can come on over to TurboTax and do this completely user friendly, like step by step. Everything's laid out easily for you, and then you find out at the very end that oh, TurboTax isn't fucking free. No, yeah, it's not. And then you have to pay for it. But it's like, by the time you get through it all, it's like, well, I guess I'll pay for it because I don't feel like doing it all again. Right? Um, okay, I just drank a coffee. I have to pee. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Hello. I am back. Great. Um, I'm, I'm ready for gerrymandering whenever you are. Okay. So that's what we have on the electoral college. I just want to apologize for my poorly done book report. That was just God awful. No, no, it was fine. It is like very difficult to understand. It's very winding and I feel like the government. Yeah. It's not like they make it fucking easy. Um, but no, I followed it. You're good. Um, let's see. So what the fuck is gerrymandering? <laughs> Just a quick brush up on what I know you forgot from U.S. history class. Mm-hmm. Um, in the United States, each state is divided into districts, and each district is appointed a member in the House of Representatives, which is one of Congress's two chambers along with the Senate. As part of the legislative branch, they're responsible for making and passing federal laws. Representatives are elected every two years, and there's been a cap of 435 members since 1911, representing each state in proportion to its population. Um, So gerrymandering is the practice of these legislators and local officials setting boundaries of electoral districts to favor specific political interests, often resulting in districts with convoluted winding boundaries rather than compact areas. Um, So it's it's often used in the U.S. to create a power to increase the power of a political party. I think the best way that it has often been described is as politicians choosing their voters rather than voting voters choosing their politicians. Not very democratic. Mm-mm. Um, so many democratic countries utilize the practice of gerrymandering. However, some have been able to do it in a nonpartisan manner. The Netherlands, Slovakia, and Slovenia employ an electoral system with only one nationwide voting district for the election of national representatives. This prevents gerrymandering and allows representatives to be elected along to, according to the proportion of votes that each party receives rather than the majority winner taking all method practiced in america kind of like you were talking about how like america it's like even if you don't get half of the votes as long as you just get more than the other two nominees you win whereas in these other countries they have a proportionate like so if 45 percent won party a then 45 percent of their electorates will be from party a if 30 percent of them win party b then 30 like another 30 percent will be from party b and then if the other 25% vo- vote for <laughs> Party C, then 25% of the people in Congress will represent Party C. Okay. So other European countries such as Austria and Sweden have electoral districts with fixed boundaries. The number of representatives for each district can change after a census due to its population shift, but their boundaries never change, which also eliminates gerrymandering. Um, This is just my personal opinion, but I feel as though this is probably the most fair option considering our large population. I feel like it would be really difficult to go the other way because in the Netherlands and countries like that, they only have 
one big district because their country is so small and their population is much smaller. Like their population of their entire country is probably that of one of our states. So they have one giant district with like many representatives, Mm -hmm. whereas here each district only has one representative. So it's not like we can split that um, those votes up. It's like just whoever wins the majority. The one. Right. So some countries such as Australia use nonpartisan electoral commissions to draw districts. Of course, America isn't the only country taking advantage of redistricting to benefit a particular individual party. The Philippines, Sudan, Turkey, and the UK are just a few other countries that allow shady gerrymandering practices to take place. Unfortunately, we are not living in a utopia or Europe, and here in the US, we accept, (laughs) nay, encourage the gerrymandering because what the fuck about our democracy is not corrupt, and because we're selfish American bitches, I will specifically be focusing on the way this practice has screwed the US in the past and will inevitably do so in the upcoming election and beyond. God damn it, you're eloquent. So, just a little history on gerrymandering. Okay. Uh, While gerrymandering is practiced in numerous forms around the world, go figure, it all started in the U.S. Hashtag influencers. Um, (laughs) The term gerrymandering was used for the first time in the Boston Gazette in 1812 to describe a redrawing of Massachusetts State Senate election districts under the governor, then governor, Eldridge Gary, spelled G-E-R-R-Y, who signed a bill district or redistricting the state to benefit the Democratic Republican Party. Fun Hmm. fact, they used to be one party, with the opposing party being the Federalists. Who knew? Definitely a topic for another day. Um, Or maybe not. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Anyway, the the districts were so contorted that the Gazette compared it to the shape of a salamander. The term caught on and was used to describe other cases of district shape manipulation for partisan game gain in numerous states so while the term didn't come about until 1812 our founding fathers have been separating us into congressional districts since the first census in 1790 and i think it was well intended in the beginning i don't know it's tough to say so during the constitutional convention in 1787 George Washington stated that each member of the House of Representatives should represent an average of 30,000 people. It was argued that citizens wanted representatives who had their best interests in mind and that legislators needed to have a close relationship with those that they were making decisions for. They needed to have an understanding of local circumstances in order to sympathize with the needs and feelings of the mass public in their districts. Like, that makes sense. Okay. So in 1787, the Great Compromise was reached between large and small states defining the legislative structure and representation that each state would have under the U.S. Constitution. It proposed proportional representation of the states, as well as retaining a bicameral legislature. Uh, My interpretation of that word is that... (laughs) This creates a kind of checks and balances because the lower house of representatives are supposedly elected by the people with a proportionate representation to population, while the upper house, the Senate, are elected by representative members and represent each state equally with two Senate members per state. Does that make sense? Do you remember that from like history? Okay. So as the first census in 1790, as of the first census in 1790, there were 65 representatives for 13 states, the 13 original colonies. And that number has fluctuated ever since in accordance with the population. Uh, We're currently sitting at 435 legislators, each representing an average of 770,000 people. This is literally... Three quarters of a million people, definitely not the small town local who understands the plight of the everyday rural American. So they started. This one person is supposed to represent 
All 700,000 of them. Yes. Three quarters of a million people. Where, I mean, I feel like representing 30,000 people is a lot. I'm just like, oh my God, I do not want to be in charge of that many people. But it's also like a manageable size. I would be nervous to represent one other person. Right. Um, So up until I researched this topic, I thought districts literally had no criteria as to how they were drawn. So imagine my surprise when I found (laughs) an entire paragraph about it on Wikipedia. Oh, let's hear it. In the Apportionment Act of 1911, districts were required to be contiguous, compact, and equally populated. Okay. Okay. So this, makes, so this makes sense considering where the idea of districts came from. Having an individual person represent a group of like-minded people living in the same community and similar conditions. Mm-hmm. However, our population has vastly increased in size and diversity as well as location and geographical needs since the founding of this concept, concept in 1790. I mean, think about it. Like they were yeah. all living in like the Eastern, you know, border States. Um, and I feel like as they expanded West, like, different needs needed to be met you know Mm -hmm. so then came the reappointment act of 1929 in which each state was then allowed to set its own standards for congressional legislative districts apparently the general rule is to equalize the population of districts and comply with federal requirements are there any the courts haven't made many clear decisions on their stance in the past so it's tough to say uh criteria varies by state and local law but some guidelines may include (laughs) creating compact contiguous contingous contiguous contiguous districts <laughs> it just it means that they're kind of like bordering one you know they're near each other okay, we're not yeah. having like districts like a puzzle on piece. opposite yes exactly not on opposite sides of the fucking state um trying to keep political units and communities within a single district and avoiding the drawing of boundaries for purposes of partisan advantage or incumbent protection mm. mm-hmm. so But these are all just, like, you know, guidelines. Each state can do whatever they want as of 1929. So by the 1960s, the seemingly oblivious public decided that they were fed up and pursued a bunch of one-person, one-vote cases in the Supreme Court. I'll go over a couple of them in a few minutes. So this is when they decided that they need some regulations on these shenanigans and ruled that district lines needed to be redrawn every year in accordance to the sentence – or to the census, I'm sorry – so things really got heated when dumb humans created smart computers that could take the census data and create maps with numerous potential configurations to achieve desired results. By assessing Sneaky. voter mm-hmm, by assessing voter preferences, this computer software uses common tactics tactics in partisan gerrymandering referred to as packing and cracking. The best definition I found was on fairelectionsproject.org. Um, so packing means putting as many of the opposing party's supporters into as few districts as possible. Mm-hmm. The opposing party wins a few seats, but you will win the majority. Cracking means scattering the opposing party's supporters into districts where they are a lot, where they are always the minority and have no chance of winning. Um, all right. So to kind of use that similar example, if, of voters like candidate A, 30% like candidate B, and 25% vote for candidate C. Legislators can redraw district lines to include certain households that are proven or likely to vote for a certain party. By doing this, they can dilute candidate A's majority vote by putting the majority of those voters into the same district, meaning they will win that one district, but none of the others throughout the state will win, which is packing. They can also dilute candidate A's majority vote by dispersing those voters amongst all of the districts throughout the state, never letting them gain a majority vote, which is an example of cracking. So this is all a step below the Electoral College, right? Mm -hmm. So we go in and we vote. And then they decide who won in each district. 
Correct. Yes. Each and district then they is, decide yeah. who won in each state, but that's determined by the Electoral College. Yes. Okay. Right. I don't know. Okay. Does the Electoral College choose that? I thought they only chose the president. No, I mean, like, who, which presidential candidate won each state? Well, so this is just seats for, like, these are just seats oh, in the House of Representatives. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. So, so this, um, isn't, this isn't done for the presidential election? No. Okay. So this oh. is just done for local elections um, to vote people into the House of Representatives. So there's the House of Representatives, which is technically supposed to be elected by the people with, you mm-hmm. know, this. And each state is divided into separate districts. And okay. Can you tell me about how big a district is? Is it like a city block or? Much bigger. Yeah. So there are 770,000 people on average. So okay. it's a per big district. Yes. Yes. Correct. But so... they vary. I'm thinking. Um, and I will, I will get to, like, more examples, too, of, like, um, different states. Like, some only have one district because, like, Nebraska, right. their, their yeah, population so is. Out. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay. So, all right. That makes more sense. Actually, that's literally my next paragraph. So our current oh. situation and the effects of gerrymandering. So today there are seven states with only one district or representative due to their low populations. They are Alaska, Delaware, Montana, North and South Dakota, Vermont, and Wyoming. Um, those with the highest number of representatives or districts are California with 53, Texas with 36, New York and Florida both have 27, and then everything else has like 20 or fewer. Illinois has 18. Um, so in 2010, the Republican Party took significant gains from the elector- from the elections in several states due to a program called Red Map. They realized that the party in control of state legislatures would be the ones to draw the maps, potentially determining the fate of elections for the next decade when the census would be renewed. Their questionable maps drew attention from voters, some of whom took the issue to the Supreme Court. The definition of Red Map, straight from Wiki, says... <laughs> Redistricting the redistricting majority project is a project of the Republican state leadership committee of the U.S. to increase Republican control of congressional seats as well as legislators, largely through determination of electoral district boundaries. The project has reportedly made effective use of partisan gerrymandering by relying on previously unavailable mapping software such as Maptitude to improve the precision with which the district lines are strategically drawn. The strategy was focused on swing blue states such as Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, North Carolina, and Wisconsin, where there was a Democratic majority, but which they could swing towards Republican with appropriate redistricting. The project was launched in 2010 and estimated to have cost the Republican Party around $30 million. No big deal. All right, so I know that's a lot to process, but honestly, not surprising for a panicking party rapidly losing credit voters and trust in the American public. What is our current death toll? Like 200,000? Also, how is a group like this allowed to exist in the open and have a Wikipedia page? Isn't it like highly suggested in the Reappointment Act of 1929 that states are supposed to avoid drawing boundaries for purposes of partisan advantage or incumbent protection? Anyway, a documentary everyone should watch about this extremely boring topic that I was able to hold my attention is called Slay the Dragon on Amazon. It's about a woman named Katie Fahey, who is a Michigan resident who is unhappy with the way the Flint water hand, uh, situation was handled. Duh, you can listen to us talk about it in episode 18. <laughs> she realized politicians didn't feel the need to listen to citizens' concerns about the water crisis because they're 
re-election was always assured due to the way they had gerrymandered their districts. She did what any disgruntled civilian would do and took her concerns to Facebook, where her group gained quite a following, including attorneys, experts in finance, marketing, and campaign organization. The documentary follows her grassroots commission called Voters Not Politicians and their efforts to stop partisan gerrymandering. It also sheds light on some of the D-bags behind Red Map, such as little-known strategist named Chris Jankowski. He realized that while Obama's 2008 win was important, the ability to redistrict states after the 2010 election was more important in order to protect House Republican seats. So there's a website called 538 that did a gerrymandering project in which they took a deep dive into the many different ways that districts can be drawn to affect electoral outcomes. It's super interesting, and it shows just how easy it is to change district lines around to vastly alter the overall vote of districts in each state. It's really cool. So they have the one map that shows all the actual districts and what they currently are. And then there's like eight or ten different options. You can say, okay, like you can click on a certain state, and it'll tell you how many electors are in each uh, district, and it'll tell you like what party they're from, what majority they won, like what percentage of people voted for them. And then um, you can also click like, okay, redistrict this map so that it leans Republican. Redistrict this map so that the Democrats could win. You know what I mean? Like it shows you different options. It it literally is. So who chooses to redistrict? Like, I mean... So I don't, I don't so understand like state, how Amanda it's oh, differs okay. from every fucking oh. state. Um, so <laughs> some state, no, 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 no. I'm just annoyed that there is no blanket answer. Um, <laughs> like every state is different. Typically the general rule for most states is every 10 years after the census is when they do it. So like 2001, 2002, that's kind okay. of, and because these people are reelected every two years, there was an election in 2000. There was an election in 2002, 2004, 2006. So over the course of that decade they can continue winning those seats every two years oh shit so if they get to redistrict like it it depends on the state some and i'll get to that too um some states have um like committees that actually do it that are supposed to be nonpartisan, and others Mm -hmm. actually just let their state legislators do it themselves oh so Um, whatever party is in control gets to choose yes there are literally no checks and balances in some of these states the the majority of them super fucked up um Let's see. So through their use of sophisticated mapping technology, Republicans were able to redraw district lines and successfully secure several districts and retain control of the House of Representatives by a 33 seat margin, despite Democratic candidates having had more of the general vote by over a million. Um, In 2012, states began seeing a rapid passing of rightward-leaning bills, including repealing Equal Pay Acts. What for? Really, what the fuck could possibly be the reason? Uh, Defunding Planned Parenthood in public schools, enforcing abstinence programs instead of sex ed in schools, and loosening gun regulations. Michigan, (laughs) Michigan, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Florida, Texas, and Pennsylvania were passing nearly identical pieces of legislation. legislation. If you really want to get into it, most of these bills were written by a Washington-based lobby group called ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which was founded in the 1970s to help maximize the profits of business donors. A few I can think of right off the dome are probably like private Catholic schools, Hey Betsy, the NRA, and evangelicals, maybe like the KKK, I don't know. So anyway, during the documentary... (laughs) There was a meeting of citizens discussing their current maps. One of them said that her home had been redistricted to a largely Republican area and feels that her vote is a wash. A few questions that I had led me to a frustrating hunt for answers. These were some of the things. Okay, I understand you're frustrated, but couldn't the other party do the same thing if they were ever to gain control? 
could they ever gain control? Wouldn't your vote be a wash either way if the candidate that you vote for doesn't win? Why do we need to have, why do we need to be broken down into districts at all when it comes to counting a vote? Shouldn't every individual vote count for one person? Oh my God, exactly. Perhaps it's because the population is so large. This is the easiest way to collect data. No, um, not with fucking computers anymore. Jesus. Right. What really would be the most fair way to divide up a population by town, county, a straight grid? I have no idea. Um, so there is no no fair way to divide it. You just have to count each fucking person. Right. And I mean, I feel like the way that they did it in there was one country I forget um I mentioned. I think it was not Australia. Hang on, let me see. Uh, Austria and Sweden, they have electoral districts with fixed boundaries. So the shape of their districts never changes. The map always stays the same. So if people move into or out of the districts, they will gain or lose a representative. So, you know, if over 10 years, 10,000 people move out of this place, they might lose one, you know, um, Mm -hmm. representative. So I feel like that makes the most sense because like, the boundaries never change. The The shapes are never going to include certain segments of people. Whoever the fuck lives in that area, that's who lives there. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, um, and then the shapes of the districts now are so fucked up. Yeah, those they're, are fun too. They literally, like, go around certain houses. Yes, they it's do. insane. It's, yeah, it's bizarre. Um, so, um, race is a factor. Uh, so here are a few court cases regarding race and just kind of like overall Supreme Court cases in the past. So citizens have been fighting redistricting in courts since the 1960s, and the federal court generally refuses to partake in making calls on over gerrymandering or partisan gain. The Supreme Court has shot down the majority of redistricting cases, stating that it's a local or state decision and they don't want to get caught up in the politics by taking a side. But like, isn't that literally their job to judge who is right and wrong in a situation? All right. I guess sometimes they can just like take a knee so apparently racial gerrymandering is illegal but partisan gerrymandering is legal to a point this point has not yet been found as our highest court refused to make a firm decision on the majority of cases um race has been a factor in the way district maps are drawn due to the fact that minorities tend to favor democratic candidates making it a potentially partisan issue it can be done in an affirmative and negative manner by giving minority populations more of a voice or by diluting it here are a few examples so in the 1980s congress amended the voting rights act to quote make states redraw maps if they have a discriminatory a discriminatory effect in july 2017 u.s district judge robert shelby Note, he is a local judge, not a Supreme Court judge, Mm -hmm. ordered lines in San Juan County, Utah, to be redrawn, stating that they were unconstitutional. The voice of Native Americans, who were the majority of the population, had been suppressed when they were packed into gerrymandered districts. Another example is in... On 1995, a Supreme Court case, Miller versus Johnson, stated that redistricting plans must be subjected to strict scrutiny if race was used as a predominant factor in determining how to draw district lines. The court defined predominance as a jurisdiction that gave more priority to racial considerations than traditional redistricting principles, such as compactness, continuity, and respect for political subdivisions or communities defined by actual shared interests. Irregularly shaped districts constitute long circumstantial evidence that the jurisdiction relied predominantly on race. However, the definition of predominant factor can easily be misconstrued depending on who you ask. So yet again, a wishy-washy answer from the good old supreme court 
Just for good measure, in 1983, in the 1983 case, Karcher versus Daggett is an example of, or is it Duget? is an example of the Supreme Court putting their foot down and ruling a gerrymandered district unconstitutional, forcing them to redraw the lines. Notably, it was a district in the Democratic majority state of New Jersey. Basically, Democratic legislators altered district lines in a way that didn't meet the margin of error, according to the 1980 census. They argued their justification for the high deviations was to preserve voting strength of minority groups. The court said nay and made them redraw the districts to represent a more equal population. Just three years later, that same court ruled that political gerrymanders were justiciable in Davis versus Bandemer. In a particular case, Democrats from Indiana claimed that their votes had been diluted in the 1982 election due to gerrymandering practices. The court ruled seven to two that Indiana's reappointment plan was constitutional under the Equal Protections Clause. Hate to play the victim here, but it does seem like one party is way better at convincing the Supreme Court that gerrymandering is cool. <laughs> Did you follow any of that? Did any of that make sense? Bits. Okay, so basically in the nineteen in nineteen in the early nineteen eighties, they had the same Supreme Court. It was the same, what is it, seven people? Nine pe- it's nine people. Um and we in need New term G- limits. In, yeah. So in New Jersey, I mean, not the same people as it is now, but there were oh, two okay. cases that were heard in the early 80s by the same group of Supreme Court justices. And in one case in New Jersey, where it's like always been voted as a Democratic state, they said, no, no, you need to you need to redraw this map because it benefits Democrats too much. But then just three years later, the same group of justices did the exact opposite in Indiana when Democrats said, hey, this is gerrymandered and our vote doesn't count. They were like, no, no, it's cool. It's fine. Like, your votes don't need to count. So it's, I mean, I know these are, like, old instances. um, Right, that is fucked up. Like, you can't, that's very hypocritical and contradictory, and that's not cool. Exactly. And it's like, why are they only willing to put their foot down, you know, when it benefits the red maps, like whatever. So anyway, here are a few examples of, uh, you know, just like situations where the gerrymandering got really out of control. So (laughs) these clowns have been fucking with our districts for years. For example, thrown it way back, the Republican party used its control of Congress to secure the admission of more states in territories friendly to their party. In 1889, the Dakota territory was divided into two states, North and South. According to the electoral college, each new state, carried at least three electoral votes regardless of population basically they divided up one piece of territory into two so that they could gain three extra electoral votes despite the fact that the population and opinion had not changed um in pennsylvania the republican dominated state legislature used gerrymandering to help defeat democratic representative frank mascara Mascara was elected into Congress in 1994. In 2002, the Republican Party altered the boundaries of his original district so much that he was pitted against fellow Democratic candidate John Murtha in the election. The shape of Mascara's newly drawn district formed a finger that stopped at his street, encompassing his house, but not the spot where he parked his car. Murtha won the election in the newly formed district. Um... Let's see. Wisconsin was an important case in point. In 2010, the Republicans won a big electoral victory, taking 60 of the 99 seats in the state assembly. After the 2011 redistricting, they created the, quote, worst partisan gerrymanders in modern American history, according to the Whitford plaintiffs. 
When, then in 2012, there was a 430,000 vote swing in the Democrats' favor, but Republicans still came back with 60 seats. Despite the Democrats' big win in the election, the Republicans still had an over, overwhelming majority of seats. Um, let's see. My last example is in the state of Ohio. There was a conversation between Republican officials that was recorded um, that demonstrated redistricting was being done to aid their political candidate in 2002. So the discussions took place between Speaker Larry Householder, his chief of staff, Brett Burek, and Ohio Republican candidate Jim Rousen about unseating Democratic incumbent Wayne Coates, who beat him two years prior. They stated that Jim lost in 2000 because he lacked African-American votes. Since Speaker Larry and his staff were in charge of redrawing the maps that year, Brett stated that they, quote, essentially took 13,000 African-Americans out of Jim Rousen's district and put 14,000 Republicans in it. Ohio Democrats, such as State Senator Mark Mallory, are suing Republicans, alleging the new district lines are unconstitutional. Mark Mallory states, I think they're clearly admitting that they use race. They use 13,000 African-Americans by taking them out of a district, diluting the strength of the African-American vote, ensuring that not only can a Democrat not get elected, but an African-American can't get elected to that district, whether they're a Democrat or a Republican. Damn. I'm getting close to the end, I promise. No, you're good. <laughs> um, let's see. So how can we fix this shit? Um, here are some things that other states and countries have done differently. So after the 2010 census, Arizona, California, Colorado, and Michigan developed independent apolitical commissions to redraw districts. State lawmakers and public officials are prohibited from serving on commissions to prevent gerrymandering. That's good. But yes, why can't this be the case for every... Why is this not, like, logical? Um, Connecticut, Iowa, Maine, New York, Utah, and Vermont use advisory commissions consisting of both legislators and non-legislators to draw maps that are then presented to the legislature for a vote of approval. So at least there's kind of some sort of checks and balances. Each party can be like, yes, I approve or don't approve this map, you know? Okay. Um, while it's cool that a few states are putting forth some effort to impose checks and balances on this process, not all of them have been super successful. It is argued that California's standing committee has failed to end gerrymandering. New Jersey isn't really listening to the New Jersey Redistricting Commission. And Arizona actually challenged the constitutionality of a nonpartisan commission for redistricting. Thankfully, the U.S. Supreme Court upheld their constitutionality. Like, good Lord, how? How can you challenge the constitutionality of a nonpartisan commission? That seems like, pretty constitutional, in my opinion. No shit. <laughs> All right. So some state courts are redistrict are, are uh, restricting plans in areas where redistricting legislation prohibits gerrymandering. For example, in 2010, Florida prohibited legislators from drawing plans that favor or disfavor any political party or incumbent. And in 2018, Ohio residents passed an initiative that requires maps to have at least 50% approval by the minority party. There are various alternative voting systems that do not rely on redistricting or do so minimally that could mitigate against the ability to gerrymander. These systems typically involve a form of large elections or multi-member districts, neither of which we have. In the U.S., we have a plurality vote, which is when a candidate or proposition receives more than any other, but does not receive more than half of all votes cast. For example, if 100 votes were cast, including 45 for candidate A, 30 for candidate B, and 25 for candidate C, then candidate A received a plurality of votes, but not the majority. This is also the case for general elections. So I guess technically the seven states with only one district are considered a plurality and their vote each counts once. But how would this work in a proportional voting system? About all three 
or all but three European states use proportional voting systems, which would bypass the problem altogether as electorates are reflected proportionately in the elected body. I explained this to you earlier, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, for example, if your party gets 30% of the votes, they would win roughly 30% of the seats. For this form of voting, it is typically used in countries with more than two political parties and multiple representatives for each district. For example, countries such as Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Finland, Germany, Greece, and many others have a minimum of five or more representatives per district. This would allow a proportional voting system to work as each district would be represented proportionally according to how each district votes rather than grouping all of those votes together and choosing one plurality winner. So it's a more accurate representation, right? Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. But that would also mean we have to hire how many more representatives? Like double? Right. So as far as I can tell, there are some grassroots organizations such as Voters Not Politicians in the Amazon documentary. Um, American Promise is another organization that helps dedicate time, resources, and volunteer efforts on ballot initiatives supporting the 28th Amendment all around the country. So the 28th Amendment would secure fair, free elections, protect the rights of all Americans to equal participation and representation, and return original liberties for people rather than new privileges for the largest corporations unions and special interests all sounds pretty good right so i think so another interesting thought i had was the fact that nearly every year since the implementation in 1911 the number of representatives has increased until they reached 435 by the 2000s america's population had tripled yet our number of representatives remained the same one proposal was called the the wyoming rule in which Enough members are added to Congress to reduce the population of the average congressional district to the population of the least populous state's smallest district. Does that make sense? Yeah, which is Wyoming. Exactly. Always. So so as of 2000, this would have resulted in a total house size of 569. That's like, what, 130 more people? Right. So, I mean, we have tripled in population. Like, I guess it's not that crazy. So according to an article in on Vox, um, adding more representatives to the House would make it more difficult to gerrymander by helping to reduce inequalities and ensure minority communities are represented. It would also give more proportionate representation to areas with smaller populations. One example is Montana, which in 2010 had a population of 990,000 people with only one representative, while Rhode Island had two representatives or districts for 1 million 50,000 residents so that's like what a hundred thousand resident difference and they both have just around a million people but because montana only has one district and rhode island splits it into two districts rhode islanders votes are worth 88 percent more than a vote from someone living in montana what the fuck yeah so while I'm not necessarily excited about paying more people to, quote, represent us and waste more tax dollars arguing with each other and taking vacations, I realize that our situation is unusual and also difficult to compare to other countries. Like, we have a huge population compared to most of the world, so each leg- legislator represents like three quarters of a million people, while countries such as Canada, Australia, and many European countries have an average of one representative per 150,000 people. Oh, wow. I feel like this was relevant in 1911 when there was a manageable population in our country where you could get the general feel of your neighborhood of like 30,000 people or less. But today we are in a huge population with what some would argue is a government that's already too large. 
Um, I wish I could remember where the fuck I read it, but I swear I read that 435 was just the maximum capacity of the chamber in which they congregate. So that's why it hasn't been increased <laughs> since 1911. They just I, can't build another fucking room. Right. I didn't believe it until I saw a photo of all of them sitting in it, but it's like literally at maximum capacity. Oh my God. <laughs> and I will definitely put a picture on the Instagram. Um, Great. so a few final thoughts. It is crazy to think how far we've come since the original idea of creating representation for a small community of people in government by separating them into districts. Today, it is difficult to find a rhyme or reason as to the shapes of each district. I understand different regions of the country have different interests due to the average age, income, and education of its residents, as well as environmental factors. But why do these regions need to be separated into districts at all? Each state is already divided into neighborhoods, towns, cities, and counties. So why do we need another layer of division when it comes to voting? Shouldn't each individual humans vote count rather than the overall majority of a 700,000 person district being boiled down to one overall vote, especially considering they were drawn on a map often created for the sole purpose of knowingly distorting the majority outcome. Is it possible to represent a country that is so large and diverse, both in population and geography? Would it be better to split our country into smaller countries like Europe? How would most states afford it without the federal government? What the fuck about a wealthy politician is representative of the average American anyway? True that. That's literally all I have. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. God damn it. The government's fucked. <laughs> I'm so sad. Hey, oh let's never God. do this again. <laughs> no. Yeah, you don't want to do another deep dive on government? No, Good. I hate it. I don't know what to do next. I definitely want to do something really supernatural and like totally the other end because this was like yeah. hard to research. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so confusing and so difficult. Law and politics are very not my thing. Dude, I know. And I feel like I don't even know if half the shit I said was, like, accurate. No, you did. You did good. Thanks. It sounded good. I mean, I think. <laughs> I think I mean, it was accurate. I feel like if dad ever listened to this, he'd be like, wrong, God, wrong, he, He's a turd. <laughs> like, well, that's factually inaccurate. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. I feel like we should move on to something, like, spooky and supernatural because it's gonna be halloween in a month it is i'm Um, excited are you doing anything for halloween no uh let's see no topic ideas oh i have so many i mean i know like the oh what do you call it the radium girls is always a good halloween one that is a good one um let's see we could do i literally just have on here ghost stories um ooh, we could do the death of elisa lamb that's always creepy oh, Karen, i love it isn't that a good one that is a good one maybe we should do that one very halloweeny oh my god uh we could do i mean well i don't know if you want to do like an alien something about no let's do elisa lamb okay we can do that one like that is a good one okay i can i tell the story and then you tell us um the theories yeah that's fine okay cool also there's a song about it is there yeah my friend Shandell sent me the song it's like a weird i don't remember that i'll find it but it's a weird band that writes all their songs about like murders or serial killers and shit hmm. it's like kind of spooky i think i sent it to you a long time ago interesting um god dude i'm definitely gonna have to find all of my research on reddit <laughs> for oh this yeah one. <laughs> those redditors have got some theories they do they're good too 
Oh, right, yeah, Karen. it should be something. But, yeah, I can't believe this one went so long. I'm glad uh, it's over. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to apologize to our 15 listeners for this episode. I know. I hope I didn't bore you too much by no, literally no, no, just, no. like, reading my research paper. But um, I hope you also understand a little bit more as to, like, how and why our districts are drawn. And also the fact that, like, you can get involved. There are, you know... Literally, if you type stop gerrymandering in Google, what Google knows what state you live in because of your location, and they'll tell you what website to go to to stop it in your state and get it on the ballot so that right. it can actually be put up to a vote. Um, it actually happened in Missouri recently. It was on a nice. ballot um, that, like, I don't know exactly what it was that they were trying to redistrict or if they were just trying to have more checks and balances on it. Um, and like hire a committee to do redistricting. I don't really think anything has been done about it yet. It was just on our like most recent, you know, electoral thing. But yeah, I mean, um, it is it is possible. What can we do to change the state of our country? <laughs> like everyone's <laughs> That's a great like, question. everyone's like, oh, just go out and vote. And it's like, okay, but like when my vote doesn't do anything, right? What's the point? Right, and your vote what won't can count because you're in a very Republican district. Oh God, tell me about it. <laughs> How do we begin the revolution? What's step one? Karen um, says, step one, revolution. Right, exactly. Enter. So in Missouri, there's Amendment 3. And okay. I mean, it just, it depends on what state you're in. But if you literally type in, you know, stop gerrymandering in Illinois or whatever, um, there are definitely like grassroots programs that you can kind of like sign up for and just kind of get to like familiarize yourself with what is going to be on your the ballot. Like I know when I went in to vote last time, I had like a cheat sheet. Like you can literally find online like in a sample ballot of exactly the things that they're going to ask you to vote for. And it's like if you don't know which person you're voting for just don't fucking vote like mm -hmm. unless you go through and like research like each one or you know you like just if you don't have an opinion don't fucking vote and i i don't know i feel like maybe that's the wrong thing to say but like educate yourself how about if you don't have an opinion educate yourself and then vote right like i literally went in with the sample ballot as like a cheat sheet and like marked down all the people that i knew i was going to vote for mm -hmm. and um you know it's like if you at least can stop their ability to gerrymander, that is like one step in towards, you know, regaining your, uh, the ability of your vote to count. You know what I mean? It's like, you will be more likely represented if we can stop the idea of gerrymandering or have it be a nonpartisan commission that draws these voting districts. I mean, I cannot imagine that anything is going to happen within our lifetime that it would change to where we would have more representatives. Um, well, I think we just need a complete overhaul of the government. Right. And I don't think that's going to happen. It um, needs to though. So what's I mean, step one, Taryn? Help me. I don't know. I mean, honestly, just try to stop gerrymandering. It's the smallest thing that like a citizen can do is like, yeah. make sure you vote pro the correct way. You're not like fucking voting the wrong way on these stupid things. Cause they are like, <laughs> As a as a civilian, I don't know what a lot of the fucking things are on the ballot that I'm voting for. So like, I had to research it. Like, I didn't know. Right. I mean, they don't they don't even say what it is. They just say like clause three, statement four, or whatever the fuck, article right. twenty seven. And it's like I don't know what the like what the fuck that means. Well, and they give you like a brief description of like what it kind of means in legal terms, and not everyone mm -hmm. really understands what the fuck that 
even means. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, just do your research before you go in and vote. And I I feel like if people understood what they were voting for, they would vote differently. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, everything is spun to kind of make it seem like the way that certain politicians want them want these clauses to be interpreted or amendments or whatever. And it's like, you kind of need to look into it yourself. It is painstaking and boring, but I mean, just make sure that before you do vote, like, you know what you're voting for and you know, you're not fucking yourself over in the end just because it's like, yeah, I voted. It's like, yeah, but you voted for the wrong fucking thing. Oh my God. I don't know. I feel like everyone is promoting, you know, get out and vote, go vote, go vote. It's all over fucking Instagram and everything. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But like, you need to be an educated voter. You have to know what you are voting for. Don't just go in. Like, that's fine. If you want to go in and just vote for the president and like not research anything else, fuck it. I don't care. But like, if you are going to vote for every other thing on the ballot, like the uh, fucking electoral college members and the house of representatives, I feel like you need to know who you're voting for. Otherwise, Otherwise, we're mm-hmm. going to keep these shady fucking people in office gerrymandering the shit out of our districts. <laughs> I'm so upset. So I don't know. I mean, I guess the only thing that we as citizens can really do is and just, you know, educate yourself and know what you're voting for. And you don't even have to necessarily like put forth money, just like, you know, know what you as an individual are capable of doing. Cause like obviously starting riots and shit are not getting us anywhere. It's not, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it is me personally. I don't, I don't know that. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah. having an effect on anyone currently in a position of power. Uh. Um, <laughs> oh, I also wanted to touch on the topic of Brianna Taylor. Oh um, yeah. That didn't go great. No. Um, so they, I don't know, they let all of her murderers go, except for one guy got, like, indicted on wanton infringement because he yeah. shot the neighbor's wall. And it's like, okay, so the bullets that go into a piece of plaster counted more than the bullets that went into a fucking woman. Oh, my God, I didn't realize that. So he's probably just going to pay a fine. Yeah, I think it was, like, 15 grand or something. Did any of them get fired from the department? I don't know. I don't think so. Hmm. It's not okay. And there have been like laws and shit passed in her name to help prevent this from happening in the future. And that's good. But she's still dead. And she still doesn't have justice. Uh, Yeah, that is super shady. I watched a documentary about it recently. They had like a special on her. Maybe it was on Hulu. Um, it was very interesting because, like, I didn't really know, like, the specifics of the situation or, like, why this had even happened to her. Um, but, yeah, it was – it is fucking crazy because I feel like she was just so in the wrong place at the wrong time. She was in her bed at night. <laughs> no, I know. But, like, <laughs> it just happened to be, like – she got caught up with like this one guy who like sold weed or something and he was having, he was in jail. So he was having it delivered to her place. And um, I feel like she wasn't even involved in it at the time of the raid um, because they went and raided his old apartment and like one other 
place in his neighborhood and she lived all the fucking way across town mm-hmm. and it's like why would she be involved with these people still she wasn't still dating this guy he wasn't even in her life anymore she like, had some other dude hanging out with her she her, was literally yes living with her, her boyfriend who boyfriend, was like not yeah. yes so it's like okay like even if this did happen it was not like current and they even interviewed um i don't know if she was like a parole officer or what but she was just like you know, if this were my case, like we would never do a raid on someone who was not, we did not think was like actively trafficking drugs within the last 48 hours. You you don't knock a door down and just start shooting. Right. They didn't even like announce themselves. I don't care if this person, I mean, it's just, it's not a, a cop's job to be an executioner. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, the way that they handled it was, like, so poor. And, yeah. like, they, you know, were not very communicative with her family when they showed up. Like, nobody was giving them straight answers. Like, also, it was... nonviolent drug offenses don't, shouldn't warrant a violent raid like that, ever. No, not at all. Maybe, like, a they, fine. They, yeah, I mean, maybe a fine and, like, rehab. <laughs> I mean, right. maybe not for fucking weed, but I don't know. I mean, the reason this person is selling drugs is because they can't find a better job. So maybe... Right provide better jobs or higher minimum wage or lower rent costs. I don't know. There's so many things that we should be doing that we just fucking aren't. Right. There's a reason that people are selling drugs in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because our society has put them in that position. Yep. Or maybe they're anti-government and just don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I can respect that. <laughs> also like props to your local drug dealer, honestly. Right. <laughs> God bless. I know them they take it. Times. They take it for the team, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh and, and that's another thing. Like, especially in this day and age, when weed is legal in a lot of places, you can't do that. You can't. Where go was and, she? She was in like Louisiana or something, right? She, no, she was in. Uh, I think it was Louisville, Kentucky. Kentucky. Okay. So I don't. I don't know if marijuana is legal there. I'm sure it's either not. medically or recreationally, but. It's legal in a lot of places, and it's not a very big deal. And Right, and the fact I mean, that someone died over it is fucking ridiculous. Uh-huh. Someone who wasn't even involved. Right. And then they try to frame her fucking boyfriend, and then right. they tell her family, oh, she's just, she's in the hospital or whatever. It's like, no, she's dead. She's been dead the whole time. Right. Isn't that fucking yep. crazy? They literally, like, gave her family, like, the runaround and shit. Like, they didn't give her a straight answer. It's just like, oh, It's like they're gonna God. find out eventually. Right. Right, you just don't want to be the one to break the news? Right, they're going to be more mad that you lied to them. I don't know. It's really sad, and she shouldn't have been murdered. Also, her murderers were indicted on the same day that Emmett Till's murderers were indicted. Or, not indicted. The opposite of that. Like, how many years ago? I think it was 65 years ago. Hmm. Yep, September 23rd. Interesting. I didn't know that. Oh my god. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fucking rough. I, I, but I feel like, what the fuck do you expect from Kentucky? <laughs> Beautiful, lush green landscapes. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about the politics. <laughs> well, we went out there one time. We went to like Mammoth Cave. It was beautiful, and mm-hmm. we we it's all just the middle of nowhere. It was gorgeous, and there was like this church in the middle of nowhere. And there was a sign outside and it said, pray for Kim Davis. And Kim Davis is that dumb bitch that like denied that gay couple a marriage license. Mm. So this church is literally saying, pray for Kim Davis. We're all Good Lord. That is crazy. Some people, man, that's bold. 
Well, the death of Elisa Lamb should definitely be a little more uplifting. <laughs> no. No, listen, her story is tragic as well, but Isn't it? It's, it's also so very spooky and I I hope that we find an answer someday and I hope it's a satisfying answer. Dude, I don't know. There's so much speculation, so many weird things. I'm going to have to watch that creepy video again in the elevator. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's boy. a good one. It is. It's so scary. Great Halloween episode. <laughs> it is. Can you believe it's almost fucking Halloween? No. It's a month. <laughs> God. It doesn't How many feel... episodes have we done? Uh, I think this is... 25? No, we're past 25. I think oh 25 was Brittany. Holy shit. We're on like episode 30. Uh, maybe. <laughs> That's crazy. That means we've been doing this for 30 weeks. Mm-hmm. How many weeks are in a year? 52? Over half the year. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That is crazy. All right. Well, should we wrap this one up? I'm going to go do some research on Elisa. Lisa. Yeah. First, find out how to say her name because I don't want to get that wrong. Elisa? <laughs> I will. All right. Well, uh, Conspiracy Sisters Unite. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this boring episode, but... <laughs> Conspiracy Sisters Unite. Um, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook page, Conspiracy Sisters. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to keep working on um, some merch and then I'll post it Ooh, on excellent. our pages and everything. So if anybody's interested in like a t-shirt or a hat or a mug. A mug. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. All right. Love you. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye.